This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. We are continuing our series profiling all of the candidates for governor. We're hoping that between now and June, and between now and November at least, we get all the candidates for governor on this show. Well, uh, the candidate that's uh, joining us today is not only a congressman representing Long Island, he's won repeatedly as a Republican in a purple district that used to be a blue district, but he was just selected overwhelmingly to be the party designee of the New York State Republican Party. Uh, He's also a veteran and somebody that's been uh, very outspoken on uh, a number of issues related to the things Governor Hochul's been doing wrong, a number of the things that Governor Cuomo's been doing wrong, and crime in New York in general. Very pleased to welcome Republican candidate for governor, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Congressman, thanks for coming on with me. It's great to be on with you and uh, hope as you're doing all these profiles, you get a an RSVP from uh, Kathy Hochul and Andrew Cuomo sometime soon. I, I, I got my fingers crossed. I'm going to be fair, uh, just as fair to them and uh, just as tough as on them as I am uh, as I am with you. I was starting to get a complex when you uh, when you weren't coming on with me. No, absolutely. Listen, here here we are. It's great to be on with absolutely. you. Thanks for what you do. It's uh, it's also great for everyone tuning in. Uh, in these late hours to uh, loyally be following the great Frank Morano on there. All right. Well, the the big well, thank you. But the big question, I guess, is on everybody's mind is uh, the U.S. Senate has passed a bill for permanent daylight saving time. Now it's coming to you guys in the House. The ball's in in your court, as it were. What are you going to do on this one, Congressman? I actually don't uh, expect the bill to come up for a vote. Uh, you know, this is something that historically uh, just hasn't made its way through the entire process. You know, the Senate passed it. There's a lot of strong bipartisan support for making this permanent. But, you know, what happens uh, when one House ends up passing a bill like this, then you start getting the, the mobilized opposition, the the people who – uh, you know, talk about the impacts to their life of, you know, kids having to travel to school when it's dark out or, you know, being able, you know, with, with regards to religious uh, groups and prayers early. So it gets interesting at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if the bill actually doesn't come up for a vote in the really? House because of what will probably happen again with mobilized opposition and, uh, We'll see. Uh, That we will. All right. Um, You have made crime a big part of this campaign. Uh, We saw Governor Hochul also come out with her proposal for crime. uh, I think it's a 10 point plan to reform bail reform. It includes other things like uh, greater use of Kendra's law. What did you think of uh, Governor Hochul's proposal? It's weak. Listen, it's uh, New Yorkers want to see cashless bail repealed. They want to see discretion for judges to weigh dangerousness on all offenses, not just some of the most serious felonies. It's coming up short here. Trying to be cute. She went through the budget process where her executive budget proposed no changes she waited until just before the final version was uh, agreed upon to come out with this proposal. Andrew Stewart Cousins said uh, in the last few hours that uh, this was something that her conference wasn't looking to do at all. Uh, the, the New Yorkers don't want to wait for more data uh, to show the need to repeal cashless bail. They've seen enough. 
they've seen enough to be calling for DAs like Alvin Bragg to be fired, even though Kathy Hochul says that we should be cutting them some slack. New Yorkers want to back the blue. They want to support our law enforcement. Uh, so I believe that it's just it's uh, there are games that are being played. And what led her to do this was a really bad week last week. She got roasted out of Madison Square Garden booed when she was dropping the first puck. A uh, new poll came out that actually had me beating her by a point and a half. And then she gets news that Andrew Cuomo is seeking to uh, possibly run against her on the Democratic side. And, of course, the polling. New Yorkers want to see more bold action. Uh, too little, too late. Uh, let's see what can possibly get done as part of the state budget. I'd love to see cashless bail repealed, but she's trying to tweak just a little bit around the edges. I would say a little too cute for half. Is crime the biggest issue in this campaign? Right now, no doubt. I mean, that's what New Yorkers are saying. You ask New Yorkers what are the most important issues to you, they have a lot to talk about. It's primarily about their breaking point. They're deciding to flee New York because of the attacks on their wallets, their safety, their freedom, their kids' education. But what I'm seeing as I travel around the state, talking to everyone in red counties to blue counties, from Republicans to Democrats, many people in between, I'm hearing people talk about how they don't feel safe outside of their streets. They want to back the blue. They want to repeal cashless bail. They want to fire DAs like Alvin Bragg. And, uh, you know, it's not the only concern, but it's definitely the one that's coming up the most. We're talking with Congressman, Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin. He is the leading Republican candidate for governor. He actually the designee of the Republican Party, although there is a primary coming up in June uh, by the looks of it. How concerned are you about uh, that congressman, uh, that uh, primary congressman coming out of the primary? You sounded very confident, but we're seeing certainly Harry Wilson spending millions of dollars on TV. I, I spoke with Andrew Giuliani. He cited a number of polls which seem to put him in a positive position. Are, do you take the primary for granted at this point? I take nothing for granted ever. Uh, this is a campaign since I got in a year ago on April 8th of 2021 that uh, no opportunity ever, no day, no moment can we take anything for granted. Uh, this isn't easy to uh, be able to win a governor's race in a blue state like New York. It's going to happen this November because we are taking nothing for granted. I'm all in. Our supporters are all in. This past January, when we filed our last fundraising report, on top of the $8.5 million raised, the report consisted of 34,000 donations that have come in since we came in, tens of thousands of donations since I entered the race thousands of volunteer signups. Uh, the last poll out on the race, the New York Post reported a week ago, uh, has me in a lead by 31 points. Uh, we have uh, 45% net poll. The next one was up at uh, 14%. But listen, I, uh, every single day, uh, will continue to work hard to get our, our message out. I happen to be up in Albany right now. Um, I'll be all across uh, the entire state, different regions over the course of the next two, three days. This is the way that I've operated since I got into the race last April 8th. In the first six months of the campaign, I had campaigned at least twice in all 62 counties in the state, many counties, many more times than that, and I just kept on going. So we're working hard, great team, great chemistry. I issues are on our side. 
polling is all breaking the right way. We've been on TV and radio since the beginning of February with our ads. We're feeling good, but we have to you know, not take anything for granted. As, uh, as your question is uh, uh, importantly asking, you can't uh, and always campaign like you're behind, no matter what any poll says. In terms of the general election, let's assume you emerge from the primary as the Republican nominee. You're already the nominee of the conservative party. Whenever I've talked about you on the radio or even when I talk informally with friends or family, whether they're political or not so political, a lot of them say, well, I like Lee Zeldin. I like a lot of what he has to say. I like his moxie. I like a lot of what he's in Washington. But, you know, he was such a strong Trump supporter. And in New York, uh, the, in a state that um, voted um, you know, where Trump got less than 40 percent of the vote, I think that is going to be enough um, to end his candidacy right there. What about that? How do you reach out to people in a state like New York who may despise Donald Trump, just would never think of voting for Donald Trump, hate everything that he stands for? How do you get them to consider you? Well, the reason why I have now taken the lead over Kathy Hochul is because as I travel around the state, I'm talking about the issues that matter most to New York voters. I asked them, what are the most important issues to you? Last week when I did press conferences last Monday in Binghamton and Elmira and Rochester and I finished in Buffalo, uh, I was talking about how we can reduce gas prices by safely extracting our natural gas into a green light pipeline applications in Albany and suspend the gas tax. We were just talking about issues related to uh, safety and security. Uh, my running mate, our next lieutenant governor, Allison Esposito, was commanding officer of the 70th Precinct in Brooklyn in the NYPD. She would have been a chief if she stayed in. She's giving up that career to serve as our next lieutenant governor. When I'm talking to parents, it includes Democratic parents who believe that parents should be encouraged to be as involved as possible in their kids' education, that the quality of education in our schools needs to be improved, and whether that's you know, school choice and lifting the cap on charter schools or it's uh, having advanced academics uh, which are being proposed to get eliminated in the name of equity and so on. I mean, that list is long on education issues and the COVID mandates, which should be repealed. Every COVID mandate would be repealed on day one of my administration. I just really hope that come January of 23, we don't have any left. I believe everyone who's been fired should get their jobs back with back pay if they haven't gotten the COVID shot. People are being canned. Uh, We just had an announcement in the last few hours where the city of New York is going to elect Kyrie Irving and uh, Mets and Yankees players who haven't received the COVID shot to have an exemption to play. I feel like they should be able to play, but it shouldn't be some special exemption. They should just be allowing everybody to have their livelihoods, to go about uh, normalcy, to move forward. Uh, And that's about following the science and the data, Uh, but the mandates have been overly restrictive. So what I will do is continue to travel the state and talk to voters about the issues that they say are most important to them. And it's all about their breaking point that has them thinking about fleeing. New York is leading the whole nation in population loss. Uh, This is a rescue mission to save our state, and we really have to win. We're going to win this race because we have to win this race. 
And you know, you talk about the exodus from New York. I hear it every day from our listeners. We still have a lot of people listening right now in Florida and Pennsylvania, North Carolina and Arizona that used to live in New York and didn't want to leave. But they left not only for crime reasons, because of affordability. If you get elected governor and you have a Democratic legislature, both houses, and it's still a supermajority, what can you do to improve affordability in this state? Well, I strongly believe that the supermajority is going to get broken. I actually believe that the supermajority in the state Senate is going to get broken just on Long Island and Nassau County. Uh, We saw it this past November 2nd. uh, So much flipped from blue to red. I believe that that's going to continue this November. I believe it could be the biggest Republican wave of our lifetime. But this isn't about just riding a surfboard. The other thing is uh, you, you have to earn your mandate by campaigning on what you're going to do when you get in office. Now, we're already on this interview. We've talked about a number of issues on the economic front. We were just talking about uh, what we could do to create jobs uh, with with regards to pipeline and the safe extraction of uh, natural gas, which also allows us to reduce energy costs and become energy independent. I believe that taxes need to get cut across the board. There are regulations that uh, are in place that are not business friendly. You see a culture problem where politicians that are far left are uh, pushing uh, Amazon and what was going to be thousands upon thousands of good paying jobs that would have been coming to the New York City area and that was getting pushed away. There's a lot that can get done to improve the economy inside of our state to allow businesses to be able to stay here for businesses to actually come either back to New York or move here in the first place on, in a number of fields, in a, in a bunch of different industries. Uh, the spending has to be brought under control from a, a multi-billion dollar excluded workers fund that was created last year for people who aren't even legally in the country to what we see of billions of extra dollars that get spent in Medicaid. There are so many different ways to make the government operate more efficiently which is just another way to be able to help justify further tax cuts, which, again, I believe should happen across the board because people of all walks of life are saying they can't afford to survive here, so they head to some other state. You referenced Florida. People are going to Florida and elsewhere because their money will go further. They'll feel safer. They'll live life freer. Um, and I, I believe that you know this is a moment in time where – when you think about what the consequences are, if you have four more years of more of the same and outsized power of self-described socialists, uh, we will continue to lead the entire country in population loss and it'll only increase. Uh, but you know, to your question, we'll see what the what the total number of assembly Republicans and Senate Republicans and what the balance of power is like. We'll have leverage points with the executive budget. That process, the governor has power. Home rule messages and using your soapbox with press conferences and rallies and districts of different members who might be saying one thing to their constituents and then doing something different up in Albany. There is leverage that exists, uh, and you try to find common ground wherever possible to move a state forward, to move a country forward. That's our job. And ultimately, if somebody's up in Albany, and they have the attitude that they're refusing to work with the governor on absolutely anything, well, then they need to get fired when they're up the next time in 2024. 
You've got to explain to our listeners the story that uh, some of them may have seen over the weekend where you actually voted uh, the same way as Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and the squad against this massive federal spending bill on March 9th, even though it contained $2.9 million in funding for the NYPD. Uh, I think most folks are not used to seeing you vote with AOC, and most folks are not used to seeing you voting against the NYPD. What happened here? Explain the context of this vote. Well, I mean, to be clear, as far as the framing of the question and what what the vote was, it was a $1.5 trillion spending bill. It was the budget. (laughs) Uh, this wasn't a vote on $2.9 million for the NYPD. This was a vote on $1.5 trillion bill. This was a 2,700-page bill that didn't even exist until a few hours before the vote. Nobody read the bill. So anybody who's listening and you want your uh, representatives to read the bill before they pass it, this was a 2,700-page bill that didn't even exist until a few hours before the vote. Uh, the, the process is is totally screwed up. It's dysfunctional. We're mortgaging our, our kids' future, passing these trillions of dollars of, of bills time and again, and they keep getting passed just you know uh, hours after the bill gets introduced, and no one's reading this stuff. It's not getting uh, vetted out. There are policy changes in the bill that uh, I disagree with, and trying to hamstring ICE and. Uh, not allowing them to work with uh, state and local governments to be able to enforce immigration law. The list goes on. Uh, this isn't how you run a federal government. And, uh, you know, I have a voting card just like all other 434 members of the House. And if some other member wants to give their voting card to Nancy Pelosi and, you know, if you could just craft whatever bill you want and introduce your next 2,700 plus page bill in a few hours before a vote and, you know, expect to have, you know, these other members vote for whatever crap you put out. Um, you know, that's, that's a decision that an individual member can make, you know, and inside these bills, uh, there, there will be good things. Uh, but this isn't how you do this, this process. And especially if you're going to come up with a bill at the end of the day, that's going to come up uh, this short, we now are over $30 trillion in debt. Mm. Uh, the, the amount of money that gets spent in, uh, you know, an interest on our debt and the deficits that get run, that gets run up. My daughters are 15 years old and it's really uh, pretty sad what they're going to be inheriting on the backs of politicians who are there right now who make decisions uh, that they're going to have to pay for generations that aren't even old enough to vote yet. Yeah, no, my son's four months old. I keep yelling at him to get a job to pay all the bills that he's going to have to, uh, <laughs> exactly. have to pay. Um, I appreciate you being so generous with your time, especially this late at night. Uh, very quickly, I read your op-ed in the New York Post a day or two ago in which you talk about how to essentially make New York City not even great again, but livable again. And you talk about how New York City is a shell of its former self, whether you're talking economically, uh, culturally, or anything else. Do you think that kind of messaging, getting New York City back on its feet, might be able to make you more competitive in New York City in a general election than most Republicans statewide typically would be? Yeah, I mean, as I pointed out, too, in that op-ed, I mean, a number of the issues we've actually brought up in this interview, but you have uh, an Asian-American community dealing with the loss of life and people attacked because they're asian uh, you have Jews attacked because they're wearing a yarmulke. You have, you know, a Sikh cab driver getting attacked because they might wear garb that 
uh, is different than the, uh, the, the average uh, New Yorker of what that particular suspect, what that criminal may be used to. Uh, people just don't feel safe on our streets, in our subways. Uh, there's more to be done to keep all of uh, our community safe, to be able to grow our economy and jobs, to improve the quality of education. The pandemic policies uh, have been behind the curve the, uh, from, from the get-go. The impacts on kids, uh, students stuck in poor-performing schools, it's impacting all different kinds of generations. Uh, people are deciding that they've had enough of the Big Apple and, and they're leaving as opposed to you know, having the uh, resolve and the desire to stay here and fight for the future of the city. Um, it, you know, businesses being looted, lethal injection sites popping up on the street, you know, banning all gas hookups on new construction. The list can go on of the different policies coming out of the city. Um, and, and this is just not the the way to bring the Big Apple back to its glory. Congressman, There's a lot that can be done, but it has to get done. I really appreciate uh, you being so generous with your time, especially this late at night. If people want to learn more about your candidacy, they can go to zeldinfornewyork.com. That's zeldin, F-O-R, newyork.com. I hope we can do this uh, very often between now and June and now in November. Uh, you got it. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of my conversation with Lee Zeldin, give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Are there any issues that the candidates aren't addressing that you want to hear about in future interviews? Tell me. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.